We've been thinking our way through and hopefully praying into our lives the fruit of the Spirit. It is found in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. It goes like this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Today we come to the word kindness. And the word that appears just before kindness is patience. Last Sunday I told you that Patience is a tough word, and we talked about that. Today, I want to tell you that kindness is a tender word. Um, Kindness refers to a person who is thoughtful and helpful. It's about a person who is tender and generous, Kindness is a readiness to engage in caring for and serving other people. You could even say that it is the the heart attitude behind all serving and all caring. Uh, It is an eagerness to enhance the life of another person. In fact, I believe it is right to say that the essence of of kindness is what Jesus had in mind when he gave us the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat others the way you wish they would treat you. And when a person is a truly kind person, that person is going to habitually bless and benefit the lives of another person. Uh, That's what kindness is. Now, there's a sense in which you really don't need a working definition of kindness because you already know what kindness is. We know what kindness sounds like, and we know what it looks like. We know when a person is being kind to us and not harsh with us. We know what what kindness looks like. It it, it looks like tender care for another person rather than an abrasive approach to that particular person. We know that kindness is tenderness and earnestness in dealing with, with others. So if we know what kindness is, perhaps there is a better question we could ask. Who in my life, what people in my sphere of influence influence, do I need to be kind to? That's a really good question. There's a story back in 2 Samuel 9 when David is just becoming the the king of Israel. Uh, Saul was the first king, and Saul hated David with a, a vicious passion, and he pursued him to take his life. King Saul had a son whose name was Jonathan, and Jonathan's response to David was the complete opposite of his father, King Saul. Jonathan loved David. They were the closest of friends, fulfilling the proverb that says a friend is closer than a brother. 
And so these two were engaged in a covenant relationship of mutual friendship and love. But now King Saul is dead. Jonathan has fallen and is dead also as a consequence of the battle of those days. And as David is rising to power, he says to someone, is there anyone left in Saul's house that I can show God's kindness to? And the report came back, there is one, his name is Mephibosheth. But you need to know that Mephibosheth is crippled. He can't provide for himself. He cannot even provide protection for himself. He is hopeless in this world. And David sins from Mephibosheth. And he's nervous, he's afraid, and when he comes into David's presence, he collapses on the ground. And David urges him not to be afraid to get up. And he says to Mephibosheth, I am going to show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And he provided for him, and he provided protection for him. And the chapter ends with this statement, Mephibosheth always ate at the king's table. David asked a question. Is there anyone I can show God's kindness to? And when he met Mephibosheth, he says, I am going to show kindness to you for the sake of my friend Jonathan. When it comes to the Christian life, if, if kindness is part of the fruit of the Spirit, then we should be asking the question, is there anyone I can show kindness to for the sake not of Jonathan, but of Jesus? For we are called to be a kind people. And the main reason we are to be kind is because our God is kind. Listen to some verses. We read in Romans 2, verse 4. Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is to lead you to repentance? Every single day we are granted before we become Christians. And if you are not yet a Christian, every day you live to another day is an act of kindness from God to you. He is giving you sufficient time to repent of your sins and embrace Jesus Christ, your Lord. There is not a single person within the sound of my voice who has ever experienced a moment of unkindness from God? There's a second passage I want to read to you. It is, it is Titus chapter 2, excuse me, Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us 
not because of righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. That passage is so rich and so weighty that I want someday to preach a sermon on it. After making that statement after the service earlier this morning, a brother in Christ came up to me and said, the outline you gave us of that passage just scratches the surface. I was saved listening to a sermon on that passage. Follow through on your commitment to preach a sermon on this passage. And if I were to preach a sermon, it would consist of four points that I would like to sketch out just for a moment for you. And the first point would be this. God's kindness is a saving kindness. We know this because the verse reads, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. It's a word we like to use. Have you been saved? Are you saved? He saved us. What is so remarkable about the words Savior and saved is that while God had every right to send into this world a judge to condemn us, He sent a Savior to save us, to redeem us. And this salvation, what it means to be saved, is to have your sins forgiven so that they will no longer ever be held against you. It is to experience the removal of your legal guilt before a holy God. It is your ultimate rescue, your final rescue from the judgment that you deserve. You have a Savior, Jesus Christ our Lord. And if you trusted Him, His kindness means He's your Savior. The second point would be this. God's kindness is a merciful kindness. Again, the verse tells us, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. No one of us will ever gain the approval of God and entrance into His eternal presence by doing righteous things. All of our goodness, all of our righteousness added up, compiled, pressed together, equals, according to the Old Testament, filthy rags. All our righteousness is of no value in terms of gaining God's approval. And so the only way we escape eternal justice is that if God is merciful to us. And the word mercy means to have, to have pity on, 
someone who deserves the opposite. It is a twin brother to the word grace, God's unmerited, undeserved favor and kindness. And God always answers the cry, God have mercy on me a sinner. Here is the third point. God's kindness is a generous kindness. We read yet again, He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. This washing with rebirth is what Jesus had in mind when he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born from above. You must be washed with new birth by the Holy Spirit. But then he says, whom God has given through Jesus Christ generously. When we become believers, the Holy Spirit enters in our life with rich generosity and presence. One of His great gifts to us is the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to change us. And the final point is this. God's kindness is an eternal kindness. The last part of the verse reads, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. He's given us a righteous standing in His presence. We are justified by His grace. And ours is the possession of the hope of eternal life. And this word hope means future certainty. It is the confident expectation that all of His promises to us will be fulfilled. So if you have received kindness from God, if you have received His saving and merciful and generous kindness, it is yours forever. And the question this begs is this, have you received the kindness of God? There is no question more urgent and more necessary for you than that question. Have you experienced the mercy of God? The loving kindness of God? His kindness through Jesus Christ? You will never be sufficiently able to do an abundance of righteous things that will absolve you of your sins before Him. Your only hope and mine is that you ask Him for mercy to be your Savior, to forgive your sins. This could be a holy moment for you. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Will you call out to Him for mercy? Now, if you have received the kindness of God, it is your calling to emulate His kindness. Have you ever noticed this in the Bible? If God is holy, you're to be holy. If God is loving, you're to be loving. If God is compassionate, you are to be compassionate. If God hates sin, you are to hate it. And if God is kind, tender-hearted in His dealings with you, 
offering you opportunity to repent, then you and me are to be kind people. It is what the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life along with love and self-control and other beautiful virtues. Now, when it comes to kindness in the Bible, there are a variety of people who deserve our kindness. Let's work through a short list. Kindness, kindness is what all believers need to see in us and what all believers deserve from us. It is absolutely true that the Holy Spirit is the giver of kindness. We ask Him for it. We depend on Him for it. We cannot have kindness without the enabling power and grace of the Holy Spirit. So we ask Him for it. To make us sensitive to those moments of unkindness and to help us to be kind. That being said, it is crucial that we embrace this truth. We must choose to be kind. We must resolve to speak and act in ways that are godlike in terms of our kindness. Every believer is commanded to be kind. Listen to this verse, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So there's the command. You be kind. Be tenderhearted, compassionate. Be willing to forgive others just as God in Jesus Christ has forgiven you. What's so interesting about this command at the very end of the chapter is the two verses that precede it. Listen closely. Ephesians 4 verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. And then it says, be kind. In other words, do you want to know what unkindness is? It is being bitter. It is being anger, angry. It is being malicious and lashing out at others. And it grieves the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the conclusion is, be a kind person. Here's another verse, Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourselves with. The metaphors of the Bible are intentional. You're standing there before your closet and you make a choice for your daily dress. And this cluster of virtues is your spiritual clothing. Clothe yourself with patience, with kindness, with compassion with a forgiving spirit. It's a resolve. It's a choice that we make. Did you know 
that there is no such thing as authentic love if we are not kind. And the reason that is true is in the great love chapter. You know that chapter that says, uh, love keeps no record of long. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes. Love always perseveres. Love is not easily angered, those kinds of things. When it starts describing what love is, listen to what is first and second. Love is patient. And love is kind. So the authentic mark of love, of necessity, must include kindness in the character and behavior of a believing person. And we need to be kind to each other. The sins that are listed in the Bible where believers are unkind are of such a serious matter that they grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, secondly, uh, kindness is what our enemies deserve from us. This is such a sobering truth that we especially need to listen to Jesus I want to read a paragraph from his teaching. It's found in Luke 6. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, Turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting anything back. Then great will be your reward and you will be the children of the Most High. Now listen, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. It's a sober moment sitting at the feet of Jesus. There are probably questions that raise in terms of specific understanding of some of His statements. But listen to what he says. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who despitefully use you. Turn the other cheek. Be generous in your giving. And you get to the end. Why? Because your Father in heaven is kind. And he's telling you to be kind like this to your enemies. Because he is merciful. We are to be merciful also. Here's another. Kindness is what 
the poor deserve from us. This is such an easy point to make. I simply want to let the Proverbs speak for themselves. Proverbs 14, verse 21. It is a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. Proverbs 14, 31. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, that's for God, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Whoever is kind to the poor, Proverbs 19, 17, lend to the Lord. He will reward them. He will reward them for what they have done. The poor and needy need from us a rich generosity. One more. Kindness is what the unsaved, kindness is what the unsaved deserve from us. Oh, that we would believe this truth and put it into practice, act on it with compassionate and courageous witness. Think about it. God, out of his infinite kindness, has saved us. We can save no one, but we can speak the saving gospel of Jesus Christ into the life of another person. And so if we know the saving kindness of God, we are to talk about the saving kindness of God to others. Philip Rankin put it this way, the greatest kindness we can ever show to anyone is to share the gospel. The loving work of personal evangelism is the greatest kindness in the world. I want to close with a quote and a comment. Amy Carmichael wrote in her journal, if I can write an unkind letter, today she would have to add email or post. If I can write an unkind letter, speak an unkind word, think an unkind thought without grief and shame, then I know nothing of Calvary's love. But if you look at the cross, and you see the horrors of it, and you see the blessedness of what God accomplished through that horror, you see the kindness of God. And that's the kind of sacrificial kindness that we are to emulate. Oh, that we would ask God to give us opportunities to be kind. For every single day, there are moments when we can enhance the life of another person by being kind. The fruit of the Spirit is kindness. Let us pray. And so in these sermons, we've been devoting extra time at the end for prayer. I ask you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, we express gratitude and praise to you because we know we deserve your justice. We don't deserve and cannot earn your grace, your mercy, your tender-hearted kindness. But you have brought us by your kindness to repentance. And we love you and thank you that we are saved 
that we're saved and that we have eternal hope. Lord, if there be anyone here today, as we talked about, outside of the kindness of God, we ask that you bring them this moment humbly to you and with as much faith as they can muster, no matter how small it is, that they would say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Add me to the number of the saved. Forgive my sins. Teach me to love you and trust you and live for you. Pray along those lines, and he will meet you in mercy. Father, forgive us for our unkindness, our bitterness, our anger, our resentment, our jealousy, our pride, all that uh, added up keeps us from being tender in our dealings with others, being generous in our dealing with others. Forgive our unkindness. And by your Holy Spirit, work, grow, create in us more and more uh, rich generosity. Uh, a passion to enhance another person's life by speaking graciously and doing graciously. Make that true of the body of Christ. May people know the presence of the Holy Spirit is with us because we love each other. We rejoice with each other. We are patient with each other and kind to each other. Holy Spirit, work mightily in us. Give us wisdom to help the needy. Give us a love for Jesus that makes us want to turn the other cheek, to love and pray for and treat well our enemies so that they will see in us something of the kindness of God. And Lord, people are all around us who need Jesus. They, they, they live and work and play in each one of us. We have a sphere of influence, and they're there. Give us those opportunities to speak the saving gospel of Jesus into the life. Give us the compassion to do it. Give us the courage to bear witness. Help us to commit this supreme act of kindness. All glory be to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit, this day fill us with yourself and ripen your sweet fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.